Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. Hope you had a good weekend, first weekend of spring. It's now National Agriculture Week. Lots going on. We'll talk weather, see what kind of weather week we have ahead with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. We'll also be talking immigration and reforms to the uh, H-2A visa program, how it impacts agriculture, this proposal that's made it through the House. What about going to the Senate? We'll talk with Allison Crittenden with the American Farm Bureau Federation, AFBF, not one of the uh, many ag groups supporting that legislation. We'll talk again about their concerns at Farm Bureau about it and what they'd like to see changed as it makes its way through Congress. And we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We'll talk about China's continued big buying spree of U.S. corn. We hope Matt can join us. He's probably still recovering from the loss by his fighting Illini over the weekend in the NCAA tournament. Tough day for Illini fans yesterday, but We'll see if Matt can pull it together and be with us today to talk markets. Let's talk news now with Todd Neely with DTN. Let's see, Todd, first weekend of spring. Morning. Weather here, here, here where I'm at in Illinois, weather was good. I mowed the yard for the first time, uh, got my second COVID shot, no side effects, and I ate a lot of meat, you know, even though somebody's <laughs> saying we shouldn't have. Uh, you, know, what, you know, when the governor of a state like Colorado comes out and, and – and proclaims yeah. a, a, a no meat day in a way he probably did more to promote meat consumption than, than he ever <laughs> would have imagined right i mean i saw a lot of people say our response to that is to eat more meat yeah you know it's absolutely right i you know it, it, it is it's shocking when you see you know colorado is like the second uh mm-hmm. highest meat producing state in the country uh it's a big big business in colorado just like it is here in nebraska and uh when you see that kind of uh, that kind of push by your state's leader, your governor, it really makes you wonder what's going on there. Um, you're right. I, I think uh, I think a lot of people respond to that. You know, even here in Nebraska, we had the governor of Nebraska declare a meat on the menu day. Um, you know, and I would suppose that this whole thing probably did backfire on the governor of Colorado. And it's uh, you know, I suspect we're going to see a lot of that as we go on. You know, as we deal with more of these climate issues uh, in ag and. In, know what we're seeing in congress and movements there um but yeah I, I would say that meat producers had every reason to be quite disappointed in what happened in colorado i didn't need any motivation to uh, eat more meat <laughs> but I, I i i'll go ahead and, and say that was part of it anyways i think <laughs> you know just have some fun <laughs> with it but uh, um you know you mentioned these climate policies and we're start we're getting closer yeah. now to them kind of starting to take shape and we're going to find out where agriculture fares in all this mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even Tom Vilsack, uh, he had an interview this morning talking about some of the climate initiatives and that sort of thing at USDA. And, uh, you know, it really is all about the markets. Um, you know, not only the, the new markets with climate, you know, carbon sequestration, all these things we, we discuss, but also securing, uh, you know, the trade deals we've had with China and, and Japan. And uh, he gives any, every indication that this administration is still pushing on those particular aspects of, of what Trump put in place. Um, 
and you're right. I, I think uh, we're going to see a lot, a lot of movement on this front. And, uh, you know, we're only, it's only March, you know, we're only a couple of months into this new administration and we're already seeing quite an aggressive move uh, on the climate front. What's the latest on the Keystone XL pipeline issue? Well, yeah, uh, Mike, we had 21 states to President uh, Joe Biden last week. Uh, you know, they're arguing that basically this executive order he issued, which basically stopped the construction of the Keystone Pipeline, uh, they're arguing that it's unconstitutional. Um, and, you know, there, there's a case to be made that, you know, this thing was already practically completed uh, when Biden came into office. And uh, it really it really raises the question of how far uh, any president can go in, in stopping a project like this. And, you know, as you as you probably know, I mean, we've had this thing ongoing uh, back in the Obama administration. Uh, you know, his State Department ruled that it was uh, it was a climate-friendly project. It was safe. I mean, all the things that uh, TransCanada needed to put in place ahead of time was done, and it's you know it's been litigated and relitigated, and uh, it really uh, maybe this time around, you know, maybe it'll you know change course. Maybe we'll see a, a court. Uh, ruling rule in favor of these states, but it's it's definitely something that's just it's just been going on for so long, and I think sometimes you tend to to tune it out. But it's really, you know, it's a big deal for these states that that uh, support it. Meanwhile, in the rail industry, Canadian Pacific plans to buy Kansas City Southern twenty five billion dollar deal. Uh, what's the long term impact of this? I think a lot of times when we see mergers or buyouts. We think yeah. lack of competition, and does that really help in the long run for those using those services? What's the latest on this? Well, I, I think, you know, when you look at this project, it, it definitely is going to expand, uh, you know, the networks available to, to producers, you know, in terms of getting grain places. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, it does raise this question about mergers. You know, we've seen a lot of times where mergers have raised a lot of concerns in agriculture. Uh, you know, the bigger companies getting bigger, you know, what's that mean for prices and that sort of thing? Uh, it's really interesting. I think a lot of the questions we just don't have answers to at this point. But, um, you know, I suspect this is going to go through quite a process to decide whether, you know, this is something that can be allowed under, under federal law, that sort of thing. And um, we'll just have to wait and see. But it, it certainly uh, it certainly puts the, the grain transportation system in the hands of a larger company going forward. Uh, Catherine Ty, a unanimous vote for her confirmation as our U.S. trade representative. I mean, that's impressive in this day and age, get a unanimous vote in Congress on anything or anyone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've seen back and forth. Uh, you know, when you look at Michael Regan at EPA, for example, I mean, he had 34 senators vote against his confirmation. And you're right, uh, to get that kind of a, a nod at this point in history um, I think there's probably quite an indication there that this person's going to do quite a, uh, a pretty good job, a pretty fair job, uh, when you can't really find anything wrong with her on either side of the aisle. A lot of concerns about trade with China, relationship with China, but on the ag side at the moment, we're pretty happy they're buying a lot of corn. Yeah, Mike, it's been it's been crazy. The, you know, like the purchases, I mean, even last week it was just a huge week. I don't know the exact number, but it just seemed like every day you you, uh, you wait for those announcements to come out and there's something China-related. Um, you know, and it's interesting that it comes after the Trump administration is gone. You know, it did a lot of the legwork, obviously, in getting that agreement 
but here we go. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing China just really opening up. It's uh, in many respects, it's uh, pretty much trade as it was before the Trump administration. All right, Todd. Always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Have a good National Agriculture Week. Yeah, you too, Mike. Thanks so much. Take care. Todd Neely with DTN. Up next, could be another wet week ahead. We'll see who's in line to get some more moisture this week. We'll talk with DTN's senior meteorologist, Bryce Anderson, up next right here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Each and every day, DTN and progressive farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? 
Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the calendar is officially turned to spring. Let's see who gets some spring showers this week as we talk with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, thanks for being with us. Who gets moisture this week? Boy, Mike, almost the entire Midwest is in line yeah. for this. I mean, it's uh, it's a pretty impressive uh, storm package that is now uh, located over uh, southeastern New Mexico, but um, is starting to bring rainfall to that uh, western uh, third of Kansas and uh, putting a little snow into eastern Colorado and along with the uh, Rockies. Uh, let's see, um, Beaver Creek, Colorado had close to a foot of snow on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of moisture there, and uh, this uh, New Mexico low is going to take a northeastward track toward about, oh, I would say close to Enid, Oklahoma, uh, by early Tuesday and uh, draw in a lot of moisture out of the Gulf of Mexico to bring a big swath of rain uh, running from uh, just about Pipestone, Minnesota, uh, south all the way into uh, northern Texas, and then just continue that uh, trail of uh, precip, actually more like a shield, uh, through the remainder of uh, the Midwest during Wednesday and Thursday and working eastward uh, through the balance of the week. I mean, we could see uh, precip totals of from about uh, an inch and a half to over two inches, possibly three inches, all the way from about Goodland, Kansas, uh, clear east to the Atlantic seaboard, and then uh, in the deep south in Mississippi and Alabama, you could see uh, moisture totals uh, exceeding four inches during the next seven days. So it's a, uh, like I say, this is a this is a shield of moisture. It's not just a swath. It's not just a line. Uh, it is a, a large enveloping uh, moisture um, area that uh, we're going to see during the next week. The only uh, areas to be left out uh, will unfortunately be from uh, north central South Dakota uh, through western North Dakota and then over into Montana, so that northwestern part of the plains where it's been very dry. And then in Texas, uh, I would say around Lubbock, uh, south to the Midland Odessa area, and then through the Big Band, uh, they're going to be pretty dry too. So that's kind of high plains cotton country uh, that could get. Uh, bypassed uh, by this uh, rainfall that's going on well that kind of answers what my next question was going to be because it was just a couple weeks ago we were talking about dry concerns dry weather concerns in a lot of places but then we started getting precipitation and i was wondering are there some areas that have been dry that are still dry even with so much of the country getting rain yeah i i don't think it's uh i, I don't think it's uh it's bad to uh kind of make that point again at all uh, most of the spring wheat country uh, is uh, on the dry side. And, in fact, I was taking a look at uh, drought monitor comparisons between now, uh, the latest one that 
uh, came out last week, and then uh, the same week in March, uh, 10 years ago in 2011, because, you know, there's been so much uh, comparison between uh, what uh, has been or possibly could happen this year compared with uh, 10 years ago in 2011. And actually, uh, there's quite a bit of the uh, northern U.S., in fact, just about the entire northern U.S., that is farther into drought uh, than 10 years ago. Ten years ago, uh, the northern plains, the upper Midwest, had nothing uh, going on regarding drought conditions, and uh, there's quite a bit now. And in fact, uh, 65% of the contiguous 48 states have some phase of drought going on right now, and that is a lot higher than 10 years ago at this time when just 35% of the contiguous 48 states was in drought. Now, a lot of this is loaded in the West, as everybody knows, because pretty much from the Rockies all the way to the West Coast, it is very dry and uh, into uh, extreme and exceptional drought. But nonetheless, uh, there still is uh, quite a bit of some pretty, uh, you know, high productive uh, crop areas that are quite dry as we uh, as we get into the first part of the spring here. What about temperatures this week ahead? You know, temperatures are going to be, um, I would say, a little bit variable over the northern uh, and central parts of the country, from the northern plains through most of the Midwest and then all the way to the east coast. We're going to see above normal uh, temperatures. But then uh, over the southwest and uh, then eastward into uh, the southwestern plains, it is going to be quite a bit cooler. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the influence of uh, clouds and uh, rainfall that we are seeing in the southwestern plains right now. So that's a big reason for that. You get the clouds and rain, you're going to get cooler temperatures. So that's the impact that we see there. We're talking with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, what's the latest in South America? You know, things have uh, pretty much improved for uh, Brazil for the immediate needs that they have because in uh, central and eastern Brazil, Mike, uh, the conditions have turned drier, and that's going to be actually pretty favorable for the uh, remaining uh, soybean harvest that they have along with the uh, planting of the safrina corn crop. So that's a uh, pretty decent situation there. And then in uh, southern Brazil and Argentina, uh, we are seeing uh, some good chances for rain during the next week, which uh, I think will uh, pretty much hold the line on uh, the uh, crop prospects in Argentina. They could see anywhere from three quarters to two inches of rain. And uh, boy, that's a real decent uh, prospect for moisture in that uh, part of the world. Uh, so they're going to be able to, I think, uh, get along pretty well with that kind of a rainfall chance. Yeah, things have, that sounds uh, much more favorable for them than they've had in some time. Uh, we're also at time of year uh, for severe weather here in this country. We have to be on the watch for that always. We've already had some of that already. Well, yes, we have, uh, particularly in the south with uh, tornado activity, and uh, uh, one thing uh, that is going to be a part of things uh, for this week will be the threat of uh, additional uh, tornado development uh, when the thunderstorms uh, form. Uh, I think that uh, the way things are, are looking with this more active uh, storm pattern right now in the springtime, that we could see 
uh, some higher occurrences of tornado development uh, this year than we did last year, uh, particularly because we still have the overall influence of uh, La Nina in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the water temperatures are starting to move a little bit more toward neutral, but the, uh, the atmospheric features are still kind of showing that La Nina influence, and uh, that, that has been associated with uh, larger outbreaks of severe weather. And so, you know, you get more moisture coming into uh, the middle part of the country, get more storms uh, developing, uh, there certainly can be that uh, prospect, and especially uh, over the south-central U.S., uh, where you have the colder air uh, kind of colliding more with the, uh, with the uh, warmer and uh, wetter uh, air package out of the Gulf of Mexico. Of course, that's where uh, you know, the uh, conditions could be very prone for severe weather. And so we can't rule that out as we uh, think about the next uh, 10 days or so with uh, what could be a very active week. So always uh, be uh, alert to uh, any of that that could be in your area. Be uh, Stay tuned for all the updates and alerts that uh, are available to you. Meanwhile, I want to say real quick, Australia, they seem to have been in the last uh, couple of years, uh, they've just been hit with some really severe extreme weather situations. Well, they have, and um, now this last year, the uh, Australia wheat crop benefited by some pretty heavy rainfall that uh, developed. The, uh, the occurrence of uh, fires, uh, fortunately, did not, uh, did not just continue on and on and on in Australia like they had uh, during, uh, you know, during some of the past couple of years. Uh, at this point, things uh, seem to have kind of uh, settled down to some extent uh, in the Australia weather pattern, and uh, they have benefited, like I say, from from the uh, La Nina presence during the last year that led to uh, the wheat crop being quite favorable. But yes, they have certainly been on on uh, both sides of the equation uh, when it mm-hmm. comes to uh, those weather conditions. Um, a little bit farther away from Australia, in Russia, uh, they have had uh, some some back and forth on crop prospects, but it looks like there's been enough moisture to uh, offer a pretty good uh, chance for their wheat crop to be a big one this year, and that's going to be worth keeping track of. Yep, that's something to watch for sure. All right, good to talk with you, Bryce. Thank you. You're welcome, Mike. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Up next, we take a look at the uh, efforts to reform the Farm Workforce Act. That's next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Farmers and operators don't always have to get a new piece of machinery to get state-of-the-art performance. At Intelligent Ag, our company was founded by farmers and innovators to build smart farming technology to help you get the most out of your ag equipment, meaning improved performance and high return on investment. The next time you think you need an upgrade on your equipment, consider Intelligent Ag Upgrades. We offer flow monitoring and section control solutions on air seeders and fertilizer floaters. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. 
own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen with this market update. Well, as we take a look at the grain complex so far, wheat futures are continuing their bearish pattern, reflecting improving moisture deficits as more rain and snow is projected to impact the western and southern plains here this week. Corded soybeans following Friday's big gains, a nice recovery after Thursday's sharp sell-off, are also weaker as we begin the new week, as we see moderate losses across the entire grain sector here to start our day with the exception of soybean oil. As that started higher in our overnight session and has held that here as we've gone into our day trade. Now, as we look at South America, we see beneficial rains reported over southern Brazil and much of Argentina over the weekend with more expected this week. And that could help their crops down there as well. And that would obviously have an impact on our market trade. We also have that prospective plantings report coming up on March 31st. And that's going to be another big milestone in the road when it comes to our planting intentions, and of course, impacting our grain markets moving forward. Let's take a look at some of the numbers. May corn down 10 at 547 to three quarters. December corn, five and a quarter lower, 466 at a quarter. May beans, six lower, 1410 at a quarter. November beans down six at three quarters, 1213 at a quarter. May bean meal, 610 a ton lower, 40180. May bean oil, 74 points higher, 5461. May Minneapolis wheat down five and a half, 621 and a half. May Kansas City wheat down nine and three quarters, 575 at three quarters. May Chicago wheat down four and a half at 622 and a half. We're seeing losses in hog futures to start the day. We see May hogs down 92 at 94 even. June hogs down $2 at 98.60. Cattle are higher. April live cattle up 62 at 119.02. June up 55, 119.22. March feeder cattle up 35, 135.02. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Last week, the House passed the Farm Workforce Modernization Act second time they've passed that as uh, we wait to see now what happens in the Senate the bill approved 247 to 174 in the House 30 Republican votes in favor 
would provide a path to legal status for undocumented workers, reform the H-2A program, and require farms to start using the E-Verify system to make sure new hires can legally work. Several ag groups are supporting it, including the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, the Western Growers Association, and the National Milk Producers Association, uh, National Milk Producers Federation, I should say. But the American Farm Bureau Federation still has concerns about it. Let's talk it over with Allison Crittenden, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Allison, thank you for joining us again. Uh, first of all, your thoughts on the bill passing the House and going now to the Senate. And we expected it to pass in the House um, and, you, and look forward to working with the Senate to try to develop a better bill that you know addresses the concerns that AFBF has with the uh, the Farm Workforce Modernization Act as it passed in the House. So we recognize that, you know, now we have the opportunity for, um, you know, more conversation, hopefully um, a chance to improve upon, um, you know, the areas of the bill that we find to be inadequate and look forward to starting that conversation. Okay, let's get into those areas. What are your biggest concerns about this bill, things that you would like to see changed or improved? So I think, first of all, you know, we're not certain what that companion legislation looks like in the Senate. Um, is it the Farm Workforce Modernization Act is introduced in the House? You know, we're not sure what that looks like. But I think any, you know, ag labor reform bill that comes up in the Senate needs to um, more adequately address the H-2A guest worker provisions. In the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, AFBF had concerns with the, the wage proposals in there, the caps on the year-round program. Um, the expansion of uh, litigation risk to H-2A employers, and then uh, the timing of verify uh, without, um, you know, major reforms that we need to see on the guest worker side. So you don't think the the bill as it is in the House, which has some reform for the H-2A program, you don't think it goes far enough or doesn't address it adequately? Correct. So, you know, there are some provisions in, in the House bill that align with AFBF's policy goals, but, you know, there are other flaws and shortcomings that were just too great for us to support it. Um, so we look forward to, to working in the Senate uh, to, to address those issues. Um, you know, we'll talk maybe about private right of action. Under current law, uh, H-2A employers, um, you know, DOL is really involved in the enforcement of the rules and regulations of the program. Um, this bill would also provide uh, an opportunity for H-2A employees to uh, use uh, the federal court as a means to address workplace grievances. Uh, you know, we think that that is, you know, it's duplicative um, in the fact that, you know, the Department of Labor is already involved in those enforcement activities and we're concerned that you know, this could spur um, an opportunity for frivolous lawsuits to take place. Another concern in the House bill would be the, the cap on year-round visas. Um, you know, we know that uh, right now the h program isn't available to, to any year-round agriculture. So, you know, having some kind of access is important. But that, that cap right now at 20000 a year for the first three years is incredibly low and uh, far below the needs of the industry. Talking with Allison Crittenden with the American Farm Bureau Federation. So, Allison, given the need, as we've often discussed, the need for farm workers in this country, and you're and you've just described your concerns with this bill. 
If passed, though, would this bill be better than what we have now, even if it's not as good as you would like to see it? It does not provide a long-term solution for American agriculture. Um, you know, to think about it, we don't take up these these ag labor bills very often. The last time significant immigration reform passed in this Congress was over 30 years ago. Um, and because of this, we have to get it right. So we, we can't create a situation where we're picking, um, you know, winners and losers across American agriculture. Uh, we have to make sure that this bill addresses the workforce needs of, you know, of all of ag, no matter what part of the country you are in, no matter what kind of agriculture you're involved in, we, we have to make sure we get it right. Many are saying that the bill as it is now, as it comes out of the House, would be a long shot uh, to pass in the Senate. And given, and this has even been acknowledged by some Democratic leaders, given what's happening right now at the border with thousands of people pouring across, uh, it would seem to be just from a timing standpoint, even more difficult to get this passed. It is a challenging time. Um, you know, certainly seen a lot of reports from folks on the right that are very concerned about the, the possibility of um, doing immigration reform without you know, looking to address the concerns going on at the border. Um, even a lot of the floor debate in the House on the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, although this bill has a verified provision, um, it was centered around, you know, the activity at the border and the, the concerns there. Um, on the other hand, you could look at the scenario that often uh, Congress is forced to act out of a situation of crisis. So perhaps the, the pressure um, of, of all of the folks at the border and the concerns there, maybe that, you know, creates a lot of pressure and incentive for Congress to, you know, take up immigration reform and hopefully agriculture's needs can, can be addressed as part of that problem. Let's, let's kind of break it down a little bit more. Some of the things that in, are in here, um, we talk a lot about the need for year-round workers. This bill would provide 20,000 year-round visas a year while allowing for an increase or decrease depending on demand. Do you like that pr proponent of it? We like that this bill you know, provides that initial access to year-round growers, but that 20,000 visa cap is far too low. Um, I think you could look to the H2B program, that is CAP, the CAP guest worker program. Um, each year that CAP is met and folks are you know, left with much uncertainty as to how they're going to, to fill the open jobs in their businesses. You know, I don't want the same for agriculture. We want year-round access, but we do not want that access to be limited. Another component of this would be existing workers who are in the country illegally could get temporary legal status if they've worked in agriculture for at least 180 days over the last two years. What do you think of that? You know, we have long been advocating for a way for our current workforce to be able to get right with the law and continue working in agriculture. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, most of our concerns are really with the guest worker um, provisions of the bill that's found in Title II. And, um, you know, while we could, we could beef up some of Title I, um, you know, by and large, AFBF is um, you know, supportive of uh, the mechanism in place to um, address the status of the current workforce and allow them to keep working in agriculture. So to kind of read the tea leaves here, and some are already saying, uh, uh, almost already giving up on trying to get a comprehensive bill passed and say maybe we need to break it up into parts and try to pass some of those kind of the piecemeal approach, which we've seen in the past. Uh, do you think that's more likely to happen than a comprehensive bill getting passed? 
Well, certainly if you start adding in you know, other elements of, of immigration reform into a bigger bill, you're going to, you know, have growth in your support, but also growth in opposition. So um, keeping these these bills more narrow um, certainly could limit the, the scope of those that um, would get in the way. Um, at the same time, you know, there are a lot of competing immigration needs right now. Um, and there are certainly some folks that, um, you know, want to see them all addressed and addressed very quickly. So, um, you know, I think at this time, it's not certain whether or not we end up with a very large bill or if we end up with a very narrow ag bill. Um, another scenario is that you could maybe see, you know, perhaps dreamers paired with ag or, um, you know, two smaller bills working cohesively together. Um, so it's still to be determined, you know, obviously um, the, the process is, is getting started in the Senate, um, but we are we're looking forward to being a part of that process, whether this bill goes as a standalone um, or if it's part of, part of a, a broader immigration uh, package. We've often pointed out that the, these ag jobs that need to be filled, uh, usually a lot of Americans citizens don't want to fill those jobs and that's why there's a shortage but some are now arguing that these newly legalized workers would compete with american citizens for jobs off the farm so that's another component to this that makes it difficult to get through absolutely so in the legislation the the work requirement for um those that are given certified ag worker status is only 100 days a year and a day is measured at 5.75 hours so um, that, that isn't equivalent to full-time work in agriculture. Um, and for those that have been working in ag, there are um, provisions that allow folks that have been in agriculture for over 10 years to go ahead and get a green card after uh, four more years working in agriculture. Um, once someone has that green card, they are uh, no longer um, having to meet those uh, agricultural um, minimum work time. So, um, yeah. There's a, a possibility that folks could pursue other opportunities um, throughout you know, different sectors of the industry. Um, we certainly want to make sure that there are ways if folks do leave ag that we are able to find other employees to fill those now vacant jobs. There's a lot to it, that's for sure. It's an important issue, critical issue for the country as a whole, agriculture in particular. We'll keep a close watch on it with Allison Crittenden with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Allison, thank you as always. Thank you. Up next, we talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Stay with us. This is AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. It's Agriculture Week, and FS salutes farmers for all they do, providing food and fiber for everyone. Since 1973, the first day of spring, or very close to it, has been designated as Ag Day to demonstrate the importance of agriculture to everyone. FS is proud to serve farmers and other rural residents and businesses, and to inform consumers of the importance of agriculture and the major role it plays in feeding our population and sustaining our economy. Thanks, farmers, from FS. FS, bringing you what's next. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Steve, USDA is seeking input from agriculture on climate policy. What are you telling them? We're saying that, uh, you know, we support voluntary incentive-based programs. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to farm on-farm sustainability. We need to make sure that farmers are the key driver uh, in any kind of climate and sustainability discussions and that we need to make sure that we're taking care of those producers and that they're being rewarded 
and not left out of those producers who have been implementing these practices for a long, long time. It can't be just for the new adopters. Otherwise, you're going to end up with some real, you know, disincentives, uh, some perverse incentives, frankly, to maybe for folks to break out their tillage equipment. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We'll talk markets now with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. But first, I have to make sure he has recovered from yesterday's uh, NCAA tournament game where Illinois lost to Loyola, Loyola of Chicago. Matt, how you doing? <laughs> Did we really have to start with that, Mike? I mean, come on. <laughs> I thought about uh, you. I'll tell you what, that was a tough pill to swallow. You know, obviously it's just sports, but you know what? Whenever we've been mired in mediocrity for so many years and we finally get a number one seed, it's pretty tough to get knocked out the first weekend. But, hey, back to markets, back to reality here on Monday. (laughs) Well, Misery Loves Company, the Big Ten overall, has been uh, having a tough tournament so far. Yeah, let's let's go to the markets and let's go to China's buying of U.S. corn, a lot of it. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, they're pushing 4 million tons of corn there last week. No questions asked. I mean, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, I think a lot of those sales were were unexpected. And so, you know, whenever I, I stop and kind of think about how this affects things, you've got to understand, uh, you know, as a producer, any of us in this industry, you know, we got to know that there's some serious implications as far as your supply and demand balance sheet's concerned. Uh, bottom line for me is that uh, – you know, you're probably looking to happen to make some significant adjustments in that April S&D report. But, of course, we got a big report, you know, before we can ever get to that one. I talked about this last week. I'm wondering, I mean, we don't know what's lying ahead weather-wise for us, but if we got into any kind of a weather situation and and looks like we uh, might not have as big a crop as, as expected this year, I mean, are we looking at getting to a point where we better start thinking about perhaps rationing uh, our sales? I mean, uh, managing these stocks and worrying about, uh, do we have enough? I mean, we haven't talked in those kind of terms in a long time, but at least it has to be considered, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it, it certainly has to be considered. I mean, the, the crazy uh, thing last week, you know, and I haven't seen our inspections yet today, uh, but as far as last week was concerned, huge export inspections, you know, like 2.2 million ton on corn. But the cool thing was is that we still – we're inspecting a fair amount of beans or shipping, you know, for people that don't know exactly what we're talking about. So, you know, it's actual shipments of the sales that we've that we've already uh, had taken place. And so, you know, what you what you have to be excited about is the fact that you know, uh, whenever those bean shipments dry up even more, it just creates more capacity to be able to ship more corn. Yet, and I know there's been a lot of questions as to how much corn we could actually ship this year, but in my opinion, we're showing that we're going to be able to ship. Every bit of that 2.6 that the USDA, you know, has has, has uh, indicated, but I think it's going to be more than that. I mean, heck, our sales right now are actually running almost right at 2.6 uh, outstanding sales, you know, and, and so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what the USDA does in April. But I see no avenue other than raising, I would say, at least 150 million bushels. 
Well, let's look ahead to next week's that planning intentions uh, report. Boy, a lot of attention is going to be focused on that. What are you expecting? Well, you know, with the planning intentions report, there's a couple things going on. We've got quarterly stocks. We've got planning intentions. And this March 31st report has historically been extremely volatile report. A lot of info getting thrown at you. Uh, right now, my bias is to say that, you know, looking at the way usage has been, I have to think we're going to have a pretty friendly uh, stocks report. Uh, I think usage, disappearance has just been excellent, uh, whether we're talking seed usage. Even corn usage for ethanol has been a pleasant surprise. We're still looking at positive margins. A couple of bigger plants have come online here in the last week. For me, I've got to look at disappearance maybe being a little better than what the trade's expecting. So I'm looking for more of a friendly report as far as stocks are concerned. But on acreage, Mike, I don't know how we can expect anything other than big acres. As of March 1st, you know, what was the producer's mentality after the rally we've had the last several weeks and months? You know, I think the mentality is fence row to fence row. Uh, and I think there's going to be parts of the U.S. where there might be a little bit of an abandonment of wheat. I do think all this prevent plant will be assumed to get down to 2 million acres or less. Uh, and with that being the case, I've got to think corn and bean acres combined might actually be a little bit more than the outlook forms 92 and 90. You think we could be north of 92.90 then? Yeah, I mean, I wrote an article for Farm Futures last week, and I think I, I projected just, uh, you know, uh, off the cuff was talking 93 and 91. Yeah, I think uh, this morning CGB was talking 94 plus and 88 plus, uh, you know, and I could see uh, that uh, 183, 184 coming to pass on total corn and bean acres. And, you know, again, whenever you're looking at these sort of profit margins after multiple years of razor thin margins, I see no reason to assume anything other than big acreage. So, uh, you know, I think that the, the trade's expecting big acres. So I don't think it'll be a, a real big surprise, but, you know, it might be tough to get any sort of large-scale new crop rally, you know, if you end up with, oh, I don't know, 93, 94, 95 million acres of corn. Yeah, we'll see how the weather, you know, what the weather's like and how that plays a part in it. Uh, there have been some wondering if, if corn keeps, if we keep seeing these sales and corn stays strong, and we know farmers, a lot of them in the Midwest like to plant corn, that maybe uh, there won't be as many acres still a lot, but not as many go to soybeans if they just, you know, maybe they see the incentive to go ahead and plant the corn. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And again, just like you said, the, the weather's going to play a big role here. The nice thing for the producer this year, uh, I've been saying all along, swing acres are probably a little smaller. We had a really good fall, uh, you know, and so there was a lot of field work done. But of those swing acres, the nice thing that the producer has going for them this year is that either corn or beans is, is very profitable. If I was trying to decide on swing acres, I'd have a hard time uh, looking at bean prices and saying I don't want to plant beans because fertilizer prices have done nothing but go up. And so right. Uh, right now, I think your swing acres go heavily towards soybeans. It's just I think a lot of those corn acres have already been quantified. Yep, a lot to consider. That's for sure. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. And uh, next time, maybe we'll, we'll discuss coaching strategies, how it impacted yesterday's <laughs> game. Okay? Yeah, I'll leave that one alone. Have a good one, bud. Okay. Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. That wraps it up for today. Tomorrow, we're going to take a closer look at uh, the U.S.-China relationship with uh, Jake Parker with the U.S.-China Business Council and also an update on Prop 12 out in California. We'll hear from the National Pork Producers Council about that big case. That's all coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA.
Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.